Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Phillies Today podcast. I, of course, am your host, Dan Wilson, coming to you. Following a Phillies loss, a Phillies loss at the hands of the Atlanta Braves, they dropped uh, this game, the series opener, uh, to the Braves at Citizens Bank Park by a score of 4-2. to two. The Phillies dropped to 38-35 and 35 on the season. Braves improve to 47-26. and 26. They drop on the season series uh, to 2-3. and three. Remember, the Phillies went down to Atlanta over Memorial Day weekend. Four-game series, split that series 2-2, two to two, uh, and they, they dropped the... The opener uh, of this series, the opener of a very critical homestand here uh, that I discussed on yesterday's episode uh, with both the Braves and the Mets. The Phillies now dropped to nine games, kind of nine games uh, behind the Atlanta Braves for first place in the National League East. I think most fans are resigned to the fact, I'm certainly resigned to the fact, uh, although it is only June, I'm not saying they can't win the NL East, but more than likely, uh, it's looking like the Phillies are going to be in that, that wild card contention, not for the National League East. I mean, this the, this Braves team has just been on fire lately, running away with this thing. And for as good as the Phillies have been, uh, the Braves have been just as good. I mean, they literally have not made up any ground in the National League East during this now 13-3 and stretch uh, that the Phillies are on, which is pretty unbelievable that the Braves are on a similar stretch. Two of the hottest teams in baseball squaring off in South Philadelphia uh, this week. And the Braves got the better end of them uh, in Game 1. Had a number of thoughts, had a number of reasons why I believe this game went south uh, for the Phillies. Obviously, you could let's, let's start with the offense. Uh, the Phillies offense uh, on Tuesday night, easy culprit, uh, only scoring two runs. One of it was like a bogus run uh, on a ground out in the ninth inning. They basically uh, scored one run, one meaningful run uh, throughout the course of the ball game. It was a pitcher's duel for a while, by the way. Like the, the first, I'll say, hour of this game encapsulated the first four and a half innings. First four and a half innings went by on uh, just about an hour. We, we had an old school pitcher's duel uh, going on uh, at CBP, which is not usually what you would expect on a, a you know, a nice clear 75 degree night uh, in the middle of the summer. But Spencer Strider, Ranger Suarez, both of those guys, they brought the Ray game uh, on Tuesday night. Strider, he goes six innings, uh, allows eight hits, one run, nine strikeouts uh, in this game. On the other side, it was Ranger Suarez, he goes six innings, four hits, uh, one run, uh, two walks, seven strikeouts in this game, 99 pitches for Suarez, 103 for Strider. Uh, they both get through six. Uh, and this game was was lost eventually uh, in the bullpens. We'll get to that in a little bit here. But, you know, Strider, first start, I'm sure it was a, a bit of a mountain to climb for that guy mentally. Uh, first start in Citizens Bank Park uh, since he was basically killed off the field in game three of the National League Division Series. Remember, they, the Braves brought him back. Following injury, and you of course had the Bryson Stott at bat, where he you know gets the Phillies on the board, followed by the Reese Hoskins bat spike, and 
you know, the cra- the crowd's chanting Schreider, and that's really where that series took a turn. You know, it was tied 1-1, and uh, the Phillies go up 2-1 there. We all know the story from that point on. They close out the series uh, in four games at home, and that helps them spark a little bit of a World Series run. Certainly helped that it was a five-game series, uh, I think, and not a seven-game series because the Braves are, are a tough out. And I think that kind of gave the sense that because the Phillies got squared up against them last year in a five-game series, uh, not a seven-game series, just how tough uh, this team can be and how difficult this team can be over the course of the regular season. And these games in the regular season, by the way, like more important than they even used to be. I mean, the Phillies, as of last year, used to play these guys 19 times a year, uh, and, and now they're only playing them 13 times a year. And certainly uh, on first at first glance, when you first hear something like that, you say, all right, well, that's great. We don't have to face the – that's six less times we have to face – the big bad Atlanta Braves. That should be a good thing uh, for the Phillies. And overall, just in a nutshell, when coming to play the Braves, it is. However, that means that each game you play them you know, has a bit of heightened importance and heightened urgency. And it's one less trip to Citizens Bank Park and one less trip down the Truist Park. And all in all, the Phillies have actually been pretty good against the Phillies, or against the Braves, I should say, at Citizens Bank Park uh, over the last couple of years. They've been pretty close to 500 against the Braves. Over the last couple of years, I think this idea exists that uh, the Phillies never beat the Braves, and I think that is true. There's some truth to that uh, down in Atlanta, but when these two teams square off in Philadelphia, the Phillies have actually gotten the better end of them uh, over the past couple of years. So I don't think I think this is a very winnable series. I know Spencer Strider uh, is a tough pitcher to hit, uh, but but this offense needs to produce more uh, than again for the most part one run. I'll say two runs in general because that was actually uh, the amount of runs they scored and the number of runs they scored. Uh, on Tuesday night. This offense needs to produce more than they did. One for 12 with runners in scoring position is not going to be good enough to beat a team like the Atlanta Braves. They might be good enough to beat a team like the Oakland A's. I mean, where the Phillies just came from sweeping the Oakland A's. I mean, that was a minor league team that they faced out there at the Coliseum. I know they had a seven-game winning streak just a week before, but all good things must come to an end, and that team certainly leveled off. Uh, they didn't even win that Rays series. They lost twice, and then or lost once, lost twice, but they they had cu- accumulated a loss before uh, that Phillies series, and then the Phillies just swept them and ri- reminded them, hey, you're the Oakland A's, you're moving for a reason, this team is tanking, no one here actually cares, as Rob Manfred said, uh, they got a league average crowd for one night, and the Phillies were reminded that, like, hey, that team is a total JV team, and we don't even need to have a sense of urgency, or we can squander a number of opportunities with runners in scoring position, giveaway at bats, uh, just like they did in, I believe it was Saturday's game, and you can still come back and win that game in 12 innings. Guess what? This is not the Oakland A's. This is the Atlanta Braves. This is a big league ball club and then some. A World Series contender uh, in every sense of the word, and the Phillies you know, squandered opportunities. They they had runners on. Again, one for 12 with runners in scoring position. This is not a case. I read off Spencer Strider's line. Eight hits uh, in this game. The Phillies got runners into position. It wasn't like, you know, one, two, three, you're done. One, two, three, you're done. I thought Ranger Suarez actually outpitched Ranger or uh, Spencer Strider in this game. And if, if Suarez is outdueling Strider, and Suarez has looked like maybe the best pitcher on the team uh, as of late, but if, if, Stru- if Suarez is outdueling Strider and you know, your offense is getting runners to second base, getting runners to third base. There's no excuse to not get those guys in. There's no excuse to not maybe change up your approach uh, throughout the course of the game just to try and punch a run in. And, and Castellanos was able to do that. He was able to drive in a run. Uh, finally, the Phillies actually broke through first in this game in the fifth. 
uh, when he singled the right center. And, you know, he takes the ball the opposite way and gets Schwarber to second base and he gets Marsh to score. And Brandon Marsh had a nice night at the plate, three hits. And you can't waste those kinds of things. You can't waste a good out offensive output uh, and only have two runs. Again, basically one run the show for it uh, because you have an inability to hit with runners on base. So I was really disappointed with the offense in this game. I think the uh, approach with the runners on base, I know it's not, you know, 1985 and, you know, playing small ball is a bit of a thing of the past. Sometimes I think team, you know, good playoff teams have the ability to both hit for power uh, and hit situationally and, and just because you're in a tight game with the Atlanta Braves, I understand maybe earlier in a game, uh, the analytics, and I do believe in analytics for the most part, don't tell you, hey, let's play for a run here. Let's bunt. Let's do all these little things uh, that they used to do. But when you're getting later in a game and it's tied 1-1 and now it's not the second inning anymore, it's the fifth or the sixth or whatever the case might be. And again, the Phillies had plenty of opportunities and you realize that this game might be decided by like a run then playing for a run or playing for you know just a couple of runs or shortening your approach, uh, realizing that this is not a night where you're going to be hitting the ball out of the ballpark. No home runs for the Phillies uh, in this game, despite the weather. Uh, Braves had a couple. We'll get to those in a second. Uh, it, when you realize this is not a night you're going to be hitting the ball out of the ballpark and uh, you know, you're playing a bit of small ball, maybe you try and push a run across that way. And the Phillies' inability to execute with runners in scoring position uh, absolutely has to be one of the main reasons uh, that the Phillies were not able to win this game uh, because you know leaving leaving one for twelve one going one for twelve with the runners in scoring position uh, is a surefire way to lose to any half decent big league ball club again maybe the Oakland A's you can get away with it no way no how uh, are the Atlanta Braves going to get away with it and if think about if the fact if they had that many opportunities with runners in scoring position what do you think the Braves would do with it yeah they'd put up like five six runs so uh, I believe they were one for eight with runners in scoring position. Uh, in this game, they they were off their game uh, as well, and the Phillies totally let them off the hook. If you gave them a few more opportunities like the Phillies had, and they still got four runs in the game, by the way, uh, I'm a strong believer that the Braves would put up five, six, uh, you know, whatever the case might be. And teams like the Braves, they just don't, eventually they will find a way to beat you uh, if you let them hang around long enough. The Phillies had a chance to take a lead, put them away uh, a number of times. It seemed like uh, an avoidable loss or avoidable position the Phillies found themselves in late um, but they were not able to capitalize on those opportunities and so that's takeaway number one as to why the Phillies lost this game four to two takeaway number two Rob Thompson did not have his best night uh, in this game I I thought there were a few interesting moves uh, by Rob Thompson in this particular game number one and I thought this in the moment you know certainly there's hindsight managing and you can always second guess a manager and say why did he do this why did he do that uh, the, the decision to go to Jeff Hoffman in the seventh inning. So so just to take it through, the Phillies are in a tie game. Uh, Suarez is done. He, he's gone 99 pitches. And the Phillies turn it over to their bullpen. Now, it was later revealed in the postgame press conference that Jose Alvarado uh, was not available in this game, as well as the fact that uh, Junior Marte, Matt Strom uh, were also not available in this game. And I, I don't, just as an aside, I don't fully understand why guys like that are not available in this. I mean, you have three guys down. I get, I guess on a certain level, uh, why you're trying to manage their workloads. You've had an overly taxed bullpen uh, throughout the course of the season. And I've been the first to admit that, saying that these guys are, their arms are going to be falling off in August. And Alvarado's coming off an injury. And I, I get it. Matt Strom's pitched a career high in innings, not a career high, but like more innings than he did 
uh, already last season, and we're not even through the end of June. So I do understand that they're trying to monitor some of these innings, but it seems a little ridiculous to me to go into a game against an NL East opponent, first place in the division, and you're coming off an off day, and you're going in already with three guys down. So you're basically going, and Sir Anthony Dominguez is on the injured list. So you're basically going in with a five-man bullpen. You're saying Craig Kimbrell's available. You're saying Jeff Hoffman's available. You're saying, saying you know, Andrew Vasquez's available. You're saying Dylan Covey's available. Uh, you're saying Craig Kimbrell's available. So, yeah, so, sorry, Hoffman, Vasquez, Covey, Kimbrell, uh, and Gregory Soto is basically your bullpen for the night. And interestingly enough, I thought that Soto probably would have been the move. I understand it doesn't really line up lefty-righty, and maybe you want to save him for more important, more important outs later in the game. Uh, but the fact that they brought in Hoffman, and Hoffman, I should also say, has been pretty good as of late. Like, this is not, you know, bash Jeff Hoffman night. Like, he has, since May 24th, the only other game where he's allowed any runs was June 10th versus the Dodgers. He only got through a third of an inning, uh, allowed three runs. He was horrible in that particular game. But I think it was seven of his last eight outings or something like that. Uh, he had been scoreless. Like he, he had been good and a guy who Rob Thompson uh, had earned trust in. But I don't know, a 1-1 game against the Atlanta Braves. As I was watching this, not being aware of who was available and who was not. And I'm watching this and I'm saying it's a 1-1 game against the Braves. It just didn't seem like the spot for Jeff Hoffman, a guy who you know they basically picked up off the street uh, since the beginning of the season. It's like that's why you went out and got Gregory Soto. And again, I get Soto, you might not have the lefty-righty advantage, but isn't he, I guess in my mind, he's enough better, uh, even against you know the wrong side of the plate, that I probably still would have preferred him to Jeff Hoffman in that spot. But, you know, he lightened, Thompson lightened the blow a little bit there, uh, saying after the game that three of your guys weren't available, so he had to manage the bullpen a little bit differently. Uh, in his own mind. And again, we could sit here and argue all night you know, whether or not those guys should have been available. I'm, I'm watching this game thinking Jose Alvarado is available and that he'll be available for the 8th and Kimbrell's available for the ninth, and that it should go on Soto, Alvarado, Kimbrell, and then if you get the extras, you worry about that then. Uh, instead, you have a situation where Thompson goes to Jeff Hoffman. He blows the game. He allows two runs. Uh, Andrew Vasquez comes in. He allows a run, and now it's 4-1, and you have Dylan Covey, the mop-up guy, who no one can even figure out why he's still here, uh, pitching the ninth, and he actually got through a scoreless inning in the ninth, but but the damage was done. And this is not to, you know, let the offense off the hook. They are still culprit, you know, numero uno, as I listed off the top of the podcast here, but it just didn't feel like a Jeff Hoffman spot to me. It felt like more of a Soto spot, uh, again, even, even with those guys down. I, I thought that would have made more sense. Uh, something I was discussing with Jack Fritz, because I was producing the final out, uh, over on WIP, would you not have preferred maybe try and stretch Ranger Suarez one more inning? You know, he looked pretty good. I understand it was through 99 pitches, but when you got three guys down uh, in your bullpen, that might be a situation where you have to ask one more inning out of your starter. I don't think you necess- I don't think you had three reliable innings out of a five-man bullpen uh, on Tuesday night. So I-, I just it didn't feel like Thompson had the same feel that he usually does. It didn't feel like Rob Thompson managed. Uh, with the sense of urgency that he usually does or that he needed to uh, to win this ball game, and, and it bit him. And a lot of his moves have obviously you know, worked over the past year and change here. Uh, it's hard to question his the guy who 
took this team and turned the season around last year and took them to the World Series. And most nights I can see where his line of thinking is. This particular line of thinking, and I don't know how much of the decision-making to shut three of your relievers down uh, is his versus the organization, uh, but he's kind of dealing with you know, the cards he's been dealt. Didn't really hope, make a ton of sense to me uh, right in that spot. Now, number two, and this was another move here, that is definitely an in-game spot, and regardless of who's pitching, uh, you could do it. So the Phillies lost the lead with Hoffman pitching uh, on a Ronald Acuna single. Now that single came, they made the score 2-1 with runners on second and third, uh, and Albies due up next. Now I understand Albies is a tough out, and um, I assume that's the line of thinking as to why they pitched to Acuna, but Acuna is one of the best players in the game and a huge threat on the base pass when there's an open base and you put him on first base with nowhere to run and you know you try and get yourself out of the inning you try and get a double play ball probably is what you know my baseball instinct would have told me there it's probably I guess it's not what the numbers were telling Rob Thompson I guess he had faith in Jeff Hoffman uh, to get Ronald Acuna there certainly more faith than I had in the moment uh, or in hindsight and everyone in the Delaware Valley who was watching that game and said to themselves, I wouldn't pitch to Acuna here with a base open. You kind of screams at you uh, when you see that graphic with the base open and a guy like Acuna walking to the plate and he burns you for it. He, he gets the go-ahead base hit and uh, that was the base hit that gave the Braves uh, the lead for good you know, last night. So I didn't necessarily understand that move either. I thought it was, again, you go through a baseball season of 162 games and there are going to be nights where the manager makes moves that work out perfectly, and uh, he looks like he can do no wrong. And there's going to be nights where he pushes, you know, the correct buttons, and it doesn't work out well. And uh, nights where he gets accidentally correct. Like every, they're going to be good moves that work out bad, and bad moves that work out good, and good moves that should be good, and they are, and bad moves that just happen because the pure sample size uh, of a long season. But I thought in tonight, uh, you know, last night I should say in particular was a night where Rob Thompson did not seem like he was on his A-game. It seemed like these moves were the type of moves that you could see coming uh, from a little bit away. And yes, he was dealt a bit of a bad hand with who was available. Uh, but something as simple as walking Ronald Acuna Jr., you can do regardless uh, of who's available. You don't even need to physically throw the pitches anymore. Just seemed like common sense. Seemed like the Phillies were more likely uh, to limit the damage in that inning by doing that as opposed to pitching to him. Uh, and then as it turned out, Ozzie Albies grounded out. He drove in another run that way, uh, but the entire game changed at that point. Who's to say whether that bat changes, whether his approach changes, whether he grounds into a double play or not. I just The instinct at the time was they probably shouldn't pitch uh, to Acuna here. Rob Thompson did not agree, uh, and that turned out to be the game-winning hit uh, for the Atlanta Braves last night. So that was takeaway number two. Uh, and takeaway number three from this game, and this has been a recurring theme uh, throughout the course of the season, it's just the dumb baseball that this t- team continues to play. Down a couple of runs, uh, JT Romuto tries to extend a single into a double, and replay showed that he might have been safe. I-, I thought the umpires or the umpires in New York, really, uh, the replay crew, were wise to stick with the call on the field. I did not think there was conclusive evidence uh, that suggested JT Romuto was safe. Uh, the call on the field said that he was out. They stuck with that. Uh, it looked like he might have got his hand around the tag, um, but and then his fingers might have come off. All in all, just whether he was safe or he was out, technically speaking, uh, when you're down by a couple of runs, when you're down uh, by, in this particular case, uh, three runs. They were down 4-1 to one because Matt Olsen had, put, had made a 3-1 lead into a 4-1 lead in the top of the eighth. And you might, you 
they were going to have runners on first and third, and uh, now you're going to have Bryson Stott coming up after you. It just didn't make any sense to run into an out in that situation. Your run means nothing. Like I know, I know it's the eighth inning, and you know, getting one run or two runs could possibly, you know, tighten up the game in the ninth. But unless you were a hundred percent certain down by three runs against a team like the Braves, who you know play crisp baseball and you can't afford to make mistakes against trying to leg out a double in that particular spot when the ball beat you by 10 feet is frankly just inexcusable. We've seen dumb baseball from this team before, whether it was this season or dating back to last season. And, you know, guys like Bryce Harper are sometimes even the culprit uh, on a particular night. But JT Romuto cannot make that decision in that spot. He runs into a third out at second base. Didn't make a ton of sense. Also, Kyle Schwarber ended the bottom of the seventh, down 3-1, trying to bunt uh, against A.J. Minter. Didn't really make a whole lot of sense there either. First of all, Minter got through that inning like incredibly easily. Uh, the downside of setting up the lineup uh, the way that Thompson did on Tuesday night, where he is Cody Clemens batting eighth, Brandon Marsh batting ninth, uh, and Kyle Schwarber batting leadoff is that you have three lefties in a row, and the lineup kind of just played itself out perfectly uh, for Brian Snitker to bring in their only lefty available out of the bullpen uh, and A.J. Minter to face those three guys. And I it just shows you, I guess, what Kyle Schwarber his level of faith as well as he's swinging the bat in the month of June uh, that he had absolutely zero faith to hit the ball uh, against A.J. Minter. I understand you're down by a couple of runs uh, and a home run in theory does nothing, uh, but swinging the bat there seemed like it was more likely to get a hit than you know trying to lay down a bunt if you're Kyle Schwarber. It did not work. Uh, that was the third out of the inning. It's just a bit of a head-scratching move. And again, I don't know if that came from the dugout or if that was Schwarber himself. Uh, but either way, it it just did not make sense. It did not make sense in that particular spot. There were a few strategic moves in this game that did not make a ton of sense. There were a few baseball IQ moves, whether it was the bunt uh, or special, especially Ramuto uh, trying to extend a single into a double uh, in the eighth inning that did not make a ton of sense. And the team like the Atlanta Braves, if you're a fan of like clean, crisp, mistake-free baseball, uh, I mean, that's the Atlanta Braves. I mean, they have a lot of talent, but they play the game the right way in every sense of the phrase uh, and they do not make mistakes and if you make mistakes and you beat yourself uh, the Braves will absolutely sit there and let you so that is what happened uh, on Tuesday night the Phillies lose 4-2 uh, at the hands of the Atlanta Braves it'll be game two of this series coming up later tonight uh, it'll be A.J. Smith Scheuer, uh going up against or Shaver, I should say uh, A.J. Smith Shaver, who uh, in this particular game against the Phillies, will be making his fourth career start, coming off a five and two thirds uh, innings pitched outing uh, and allowed three runs against the Colorado Rockies. Uh, and he will be opposed by Aaron Nola, who's actually a pretty good success uh, in his career uh, against the Atlanta Braves. He's coming up, coming off uh, that start in Arizona, uh, so pretty good success in his career against the Atlanta Braves at home. I should say has not fared well, uh, truest part, but at home against the Braves, Aaron Nola has done uh, quite well for himself. So he will hope to do that. So again, AJ Smith Shaver, um, and his making his fourth career start seems just seems like the Braves pipeline spits out these guys left and right, uh, and they find a way to pitch well in the major league. So fourth career start for him, first against the Philadelphia Phillies, certainly first in Philadelphia, uh, and Aaron Nola, who has had success at home against this Braves lineup, uh, looking to continue that trend in Game Two, and hopefully the Phillies can. Uh, get themselves a rubber match on Thursday. So that'll do it for today's episode of the Phillies Today podcast. I, of course, have been your host, Dan Wilson. Tune back tomorrow. It'll be Francisco Rojas covering my spot there. 
Uh, have a great one, everyone. Go Phils. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.